Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Faces in FinOps podcast powered by ProsperOps. I'm your host, John Meyer. Now, the Faces in FinOps podcast is about highlighting thought leaders in the cloud financial management space and insights in how they're making an impact not only within their organization, but the broader FinOps community. Today's guest is Devir Mizrahi. He is the head of the financial engineering team at Wix, leading the adoption and the implementation of the FinOps practice. Please join me in welcoming Devir to the show. Devir, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Devir, how about we kick things off and you tell us about yourself and where you're from? Um, hey, it's a good question. I've uh, been around. <laughs> uh, in general, I live in Israel. Uh, I used to live in Tel Aviv until eight months ago when I purchased my own apartment and moved to a small city called Shoham, Israel. Uh, I'm married, I have two kids, uh, pride and joy. And um, I started my professional career around 12 years ago. I started as a developer, uh, moved to DevOps, uh, a system engineer, and fast forward implementing FinOps at Wix. Um, what else? I love dogs. I have my dog here right uh, below me sitting next to me. And um, that's it pretty much. Well, let's talk about your role at Wix. What are you doing at Wix? And we'll dive a little bit more deeper into what it looks like at your company. It's a great question. So uh, just maybe a couple of words on Wix and what we do. So people will get the context of what I'm talking about. Uh, Wix is a, a website builder company. We give the platform to create a web presence for small businesses, enterprise customers, individuals. Uh, it was a, an amazing solution and we felt very proud during COVID uh, where everyone tried to have an online presence. So uh, it means also to serve more than 240 million customers around 190 countries around the world. And it's, it's an awesome scale because there are a lot of factors factoring in how we manage our production uh, from resiliency to performance. So it's a, a, an amazing uh, roller coaster. Here at Wix. And you asked about my day to day in FinOps. Devira, would you mind diving in and telling us a little bit more about the head of financial engineering at Wix and what does that really entail? That's a great question because it, it kind of varies from the traditional FinOps terminology. Um, we actually called uh, the, this practice at Wix financial engineering because we uh, built this practice ground up from the engineering team. So, as I said, I have a technical background. I used to be a DevOps in other companies. And when I joined Wix, it was purely to implement the, the FinOps culture. And when we started, uh, you know, there was not, uh, I started in 2017, January. Uh, the FinOps Foundation was founded only in 2019, meaning that we had two years to understand what is FinOps, because no one actually defined it until then. And we had quite a journey. So we understood that talking about financial operations, it doesn't move the needle at Wix. Wix is a very engineering centric company. So we changed the terminology instead of doing operations, which is moving parts from one place to another and engaging with people and peers to do some work. We decided to approach this role differently uh, from the engineering side. So we wanted to engage with the engineering culture, with the engineering pipelines and the engineering terminology as a common language for financial impact, which we changed later to efficiency. You've kind of taken what FinOps was really kind of going to go and be about and tailored to your customers' needs, your internal needs for engineering, and then it's grown and progressed from there. Yeah. 
and it was simpler to talk engineering language than to talk financial language because it's not my area at all. So we actually uh, managed to drive engineering to take action, which is one of the challenges to that FinOps. Uh, six years ago, because we've built that practice from the technical teams instead of an executive buying or top-down practice. Well, the FinOps survey that actually came out, it was like 30, 33% is to get your motivation of engineers to actually take an action, but you guys are able to accomplish that. So you, you don't even fall into that category because you're able to speak that language in something that you've ingrained into like the practice early on. Exactly. Um, as I said, it's, it's a, a holistic approach to take everything that's have a, a cost impact and to change the terminology from cost impact into efficiency score, production score, um, to, to speak to the engineering language. So instead of, of we increasing cost, it's we have a financial incident and we have to do a postmortem, which is engineering pipeline of how to approach uh, problems in production. We made a cost a production problem and not a financial problem. So Zavir, let's dive a little bit more into what you and your team are responsible for. Okay, so this is a big question. Uh, <laughs> I, I would separate it um, to multiple parts, if that's okay. And I'll take a step back from your question because first we have to understand the context of how we approach that practice at Wix, if that's okay. Go for so, it. Awesome. So I'm going to speak uh, uh, very quickly on our journey at Wix and at which phase we are today. Uh, and it will give you some, I'll give you some examples of what my responsibility is today, uh, and as opposed to when we started this practice, because two different day-to-day uh, <laughs> -day routines. So, uh, as I said, I started at Wix to implement this FinOps culture. Uh, Wix was about to migrate their on-premises workload into the cloud in 2017, and they hired me to escort this effort from the financial side. And I think that the beginning of the journey is where most of the companies in their uh, crawl state are in, uh, to create that financial visibility, to make sure that we're aware of what our costs are, and to uh, align the cost with the different business units in our organization. And that was the first building block of our FinOps practice. Again, 2017, not a lot of information. So we kind of went with what we knew that we had to create visibility on. And we decided that's not enough because what's more important to know how much thing cost is why <laughs> and if it's efficient. So the follow-up questions were much more interesting to us. So we moved from visibility efforts to governance. And we really want to make sure that we use what we utilize, what we provision, uh, that whole practice of best practice, that, that whole best practices of right sizing, right family, uh, TTLs, life cycles, using the right service for the right approach. And we really try to make sure that from the hardware side, we're optimized. Uh, that was my second year at Wix. So two years uh, into our journey, we already had visibility, we have governance, and what was missing was not to focus on the uh, underutilized workloads. It's very easy to spot them uh, via matrices and other monitoring services that we utilize. It was interesting to look at the uh, workloads that were fully utilized and how they serve our business. At that time, we stopped talking about cost completely at Wix. So uh, I'm not talking with engineers saying, um, 
your, your workload costs too much. So it's either how much you're wasting uh, in a, as, as a waste API to measure your efficiency or your production score. And uh, uh, secondly, to measure the business value. And we started this whole movement called uh, VICO, uh, which is a value and impact center of excellence. This is my current day to day and is to implement the business KPIs, not the hardware KPIs, not how much a, a, an hour of instance cost, but how much a request into my infrastructure cost, which path uh, is the most expensive in my infrastructure. Where are my business pain points? Which feature is not in use so I can shut it down, terminate it, or optimize the way that the feature works? And we kind of shifted between two verticals. The first one to make sure that everything in the hardware is efficient, which is simple, right? Um, you have all the data. And uh, the trick was to understand how it serves our business. So Vico, it's a value and impact center of excellence. The main Thing that I'm doing today to answer your question. I'm sorry, it was a huge uh, <laughs> a journey uh, to reach that uh, question. Uh, the main thing I'm doing today is uh, under Vico principles uh, to define a problem properly, to understand what we're trying to solve instead of talking about solutions, uh, to make sure to, that we have pre-provisioning the measurable KPIs that we can understand if this workload is successful or not, and to create that um, let's say underlying uh, infrastructure to measure its success. So ideally what I want to look at on my day to day is a dashboard saying this workload, not like instance or EDS volume, but this workload is successful uh, based on our measurable KPIs and this workload is not successful and we need to further optimize the business instead of the hardware. Make sense? Devera, that's a unique approach. You're actually tackling the hardest problem first rather than the easiest wins like cost optimization and right sizing. You're looking at workloads that are fully efficient to see how you might be able to optimize them. That is the first time I've actually heard that approach. I appreciate it. Uh, we actually, um, I led a FinOps Academy in Israel, free of charge. Uh, we took 42 students and we taught them how to you know, uh, learn what FinOps is. And it was a huge overview about practical approaches and how to do best practices. And uh, one of the sessions that I, uh, I led was to show them how quickly it is to write code to extract CloudWatch metrics, CPU utilization, and base it per your regions, per your instances, per your accounts. It took like uh, a 20 minute session, hands-on scripting to write that script. And I, uh, in 20 minutes, I showed them that they can write a script extracting the information of CPU utilization. So when you say uh, people trying to govern the usage, trying to understand what is underutilized, trying to shut down workloads on the weekends and try to right size their workloads based on utilization, it's, it's, it's very simple. Um, not to, you know, <laughs> Not to brag, but it, 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 it's uh, from the technical perspective, it's very easy to achieve that goal. Uh, especially with today, you have multiple startups and uh, heavy lifters on, the, on that area that do cost visibility recommendations, right sizing, and uh, utilization recommendations. So you have that out of the box and you can purchase such services. You don't have to develop it yourself. So if we are done with right sizing and if we're done with that automation to you know make sure that we're utilizing our efficiency score is high, 
the only thing that is the next phase is to talk about the business that the workload is serving. And one of the concepts of Vico is to every hardware that I'm provisioning has in some way, in measurable way, serve my business, make an impact on my business. So unless we can measure that business impact, it's considered waste, regardless of its utilization. Devere, I'm really curious, what is the day-to-day or you know, maybe the typical week-to-week look like for you and the team? Perfect. So most of my day-to-day is to design. I think that's the right word, to, to, to implement and design and new workloads into the cloud. So even pre-provisioning to the cloud, what we want to achieve is the understanding what the impact and the budget of new agendas or new workloads would be, to understand which problem we're trying to solve, and to sit with the team and to redesign or re-architect the solution based on uh, the FinOps best practices. Uh, what it means uh, eventually on the day-to-day is to sit in a lot of meetings, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, but it's part of the job, and to make sure uh, on two aspects. First one is to make sure that new agendas will be viewed, reviewed, and adjusted based on our principles. And secondly is the ongoing monitoring of our reporting system, which we've built in-house. So it goes over like the FinOps best practices of utilization, as I mentioned, uh, including integration with our on-premises monitoring systems. And what's awesome, it also monitor the, you know, the the mostly common waste factors uh, that you can think of. So detached DBSs in all of the regions, all of the uh, accounts, uh, elastic IPs. Now we have to monitor for <laughs> attached IPs because Amazon's gonna start uh, billing for them. Uh, in GCP, it's the same, we're multi-cloud. So the practice actually grab a lot of metrics, a lot of metadata about our environment and aggregate it into one single report that just highlights uh, what is wasteful top down, um, which workloads we have to review and which workloads uh, we didn't tag into our business. So we don't have that correlation between the business KPI and what the underlying hardware is. So those workloads are not, are considered, as I said, as waste until proven otherwise. That's my day to day. For your monitoring and reporting, you, you decided to actually build versus buy, right? Yeah, uh, it's a funny story, to be honest. Sure. Um, okay, so as I said, I started in 2017. Uh, there was cloud health, uh, a lot of uh, bugs there. Um, but um, there used to be uh, two other vendors that we tested. And out of curiosity, I started it as a developer. So I, I out of curiosity, I checked the data sources. So at the time, it was Amazon DBR, and Google was uh, the export to be query still, but the previous version. And we just took that information to try and learn what information is available for us. And we understood that a lot of the information that those products delivered to us was either misinformed, like they did some backend calculation to for shared costs, for example, transfer support, whatever. And they showed different numbers that we actually saw in the console and we tried to pinpoint where the difference was. So we started working for that platform instead of it working for us. Now, as I said, 2017, a lot of change since then, a lot of good products out there. Uh, so at the time, it was just writing a small script, give me all the metadata, all the information, connect to different monitoring services, 
and aggregate everything into a, a, in a, a, a MySQL uh, instance uh, on Amazon. And at the time, I pushed it to Elasticsearch and used Grafana. Uh, so Elasticsearch as a data source. Uh, so we built beautiful dashboards on Grafana based on the data that we gathered from the different clouds. Uh, that was a, a, a really cool journey there. Uh, but since then, it was like, I think, 10,000 lines of code to handle different use cases, uh, different products, different uh, approaches to how we measure cost, waste, Etc. Devere, how would you rank your company's uh, FinOps maturity? Are you in a crawl, a walk, a run, a variation of both? Um, well, I truly respect the FinOps Foundation. I don't think that it, I can define my practice in a crawl, walk, run kind of scenario. Um, what I consider run, for example, might be crawl in other companies. And what I consider crawl in my company might consider run in other companies. That's so subjective. So uh, when I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, eventually the best, for example, uh, six years ago, no one talked about right-sizing, right? B barely no one. And the concept of you should use a, a lower instance because of your utilization is very low, um, was known only to people who investigated that area. It wasn't a common practice. So it would have considered run, right? But today it's like the basic, most fundamental principle of FinOps to right-size your instances. So when you say crawl, walk, run, I think it's an ever-changing criteria, but we are trying to be at the edge, meaning that to implement best practices as soon as possible, to make sure that we're aware of different releases, different services that are being brought up by the different clouds, um, that we understand the cost metrics, that we understand what data we're trying to, is relevant, I'm sorry, not we're trying to, what data is relevant for our peers, for our managers, for our CFO, and to make sure that we align our data with the right practices uh, that is, you know, current. <laughs> I hope I answered because it's a, it's a really tricky question. I can't rank my company based on what I do because in my eyes, I think we're on the edge of FinOps, but in other companies, it would have been considered like a crawl or a walk. So. Well, speaking of other companies, one of the things that you do within the FinOps practice is benchmark yourselves against other companies. It's not a competition, but to see where you rank. And if you're feeling that it's very tough to rank some of that, how are you accomplishing that? Are you, are you benchmarking against other companies or are you just taking what you guys are doing and having others benchmark against yourself? Um, to be honest, I'm not benchmarking um versus any other company out there. I'm only trying to use unit economics to understand what the value and impact of war practice. So to, to rephrase your question is, how you, do you measure your own value or FinOps practice at Wix based on what you do? So how do we measure my value? Is that the direction? Yeah, go for it. That, okay. that um, seems like a fair enough rephrase. Perfect. Um, so I wouldn't consider, for example, if I'll save X millions a year versus the percentage of other companies it doesn't make sense. We're a public company. So our last public report, financial reports, actually specified the reduction we had in non-GAAP operational costs. It's insane. Nothing out of it was uh, purchasing reservation. Nothing out of it was using spots or some quick wins. Everything was engineering uh, agendas that we advanced. So the first vector of measuring my value the reduction in dollar value, 
meaning that if we our run rate per unit economic was x and now i'm half x then i did something well uh secondly uh, the way i guess the second vector will be the human resources making sure that people in engineering is around me are utilizing our services so uh, people are asking for reports people are engaged with us in a conversation about architecture about new features new designs uh, it's it's a huge cultural change at wix making sure that engineers actually integrate us uh, i call it sit at the table so we have um the same say as uh, uh, the devops guy as our managers as our vp r d and we have our input to be aggregated into the decision making of our managers so it's it's the second vector of how i measure my value that everyone cares about what i think so good job here um, i think the third one would be to make sure that people uh, really talk about the same language uh, that we, i think one of the challenges that is for me very surprising uh, that is not current is to adjust that common language in finops uh, to connect between finance, between the engineers. For us, it's still a, a, a huge challenge. And I'll explain why, because terminology matters. When we talk with engineers about cost, no one cares. So I would have come to an engineer telling him, your workload costs $200. And it's like, okay. Uh, but when we talked about your workload wastes 80% of our costs, that's something different. When you tell him you wouldn't write wasteful code, why would you run in a wasteful environment? That changes the mindset. And people started really um, to advocate for being more efficient with the hardware that they provision. And the seat at the table helped at that. So that will be the third vector, to make sure that people speak the same language. And when we communicate, and the way that we communicate uh, actually matters at Wix and change that cultural mindset. It sounds like it's all about the communication, at least in the third way, where you have to have that common language, that common lexicon that it's actually talked about and yeah. really resonate. You come from the engineering side, so you know how to communicate. Yeah, I'm spending $200. I would have said the same thing in my engineering days. I'm like, yes, yeah, so that, that's great. Yeah. But if you phrase it differently, it seems that the impact is more and the understand is more from the engineering side. Yeah, I, I know it sounds... Um... But uh, I, I don't know what the word in English is, but I, I'll give you an example. Uh, I think it sounds a bit, um, again, I don't know what the word in English is. I, I won't even try. But, uh, I have a, a website which I'm sharing my thoughts. It's not about FinOps best practices. It's about FinOps uh, mindset. The website is uh, finopsisrael.org. And one of the uh, articles I wrote there, it's about everyone's talking about cost aware organization. And everyone advocating about cost aware organization. So for me, as a common language challenge, I don't want to be a cost aware organization. I want to be a waste aware organization. I want to be cost sensitive. I don't want cost to um, to uh, dictate how I approach my production, but I want to be sensitive about it. So being aware of cost doesn't really change or move the needle. It, it doesn't do anything, to be honest. Uh, what interesting is the follow up question. I'm aware of that cost. Now the most important question is why or how can we mitigate it or what's the waste factor on that cost? I know it sounds a bit uh, too much, but for me as a common language challenge, it's, it's a huge problem. 
I don't know why it's not uh, that common. So Devira, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see immature FinOps teams make? Uh, that's a great question. And I don't think it's mistakes per definition. I think it's the learning curve. Uh, I think most in, uh, FinOps engineers will try to focus heavily on reporting costs and creating visualization and dashboards for costs. I think it's a huge mistake. It's a lot of effort to something that most of the company want to use on their day-to-day. Um, I think that the biggest mistake I did was to actually do that. We focused heavily on the uh, first year and a half, creating amazing dashboards, showing cost uh, drill downs, and you could do amazing filters to see your specific workloads. And the fact is no one actually, I wouldn't say cared, but it's not their day-to-day. It wasn't integrated in their day-to-day. And um, until we started uh, talking to engineers, instead of creating dashboards to them, we, we made weekly um, meetings, we had uh, syncs with the engineering teams. That's what drove the, the needle. That's what shifted the, their mindset to be more cost sensitive. And I think focusing heavily on cost visibility, I guess it's important, but I wouldn't waste too much resources on that. That's the first mistake I would go with. Uh, secondly, is to think that only by FinOps best practices you can reduce cost. I see a lot of FinOps practitioner that are has zero impact on on uh, contract negotiations, for example, and I think they has to be they have to have an integral position in the negotiations. They have to bring their professional input, and I think it's a miss in a lot of companies that FinOps is not part of the negotiation process for contracts, uh, either cloud or SaaS vendors that uh, you use in the company. That's a huge mistake by FinOps and the whole world of ITAM and IT asset management and how you approach negotiations based on your production workload with vendors that you know have integral correlation with what you're running. Uh, FinOps is not part of that loop. And a lot of companies, I think, mistakenly do that. They should be part of every negotiation in the company. Again, related to production, of course. We just talked about mistakes or challenges immature FinOps teams make, but what about mistakes or challenges that mature FinOps teams make? That's an amazing question. Um, I believe that a, a lot of mature FinOps teams uh, are, are stopped at the hardware uh, utilization metrics. I believe that the governance under cloud environment uh, as mature as it can't be, can be, I'm sorry, um, just stopped at the hardware vertical. So when we talk about right-sizing, we talk about FinOps best practices, uh, people can be very mature in how they're utilizing the cloud, how they utilize their environment, how they approach different services, and the level of monitoring, the level of governance that they have. I think that a lot of FinOps, mature FinOps uh, practitioners actually stop at that phase and doesn't leap from my perspective, the next phase uh, to ask about what businesses, uh, what the business impact is. Uh, I'll give an example. I had a conversation in reInvent with uh, one of the big shots in the FinOps world. And we talked about the percentage of coverage of saving plans. We talked about how they utilize their unit economic, the percentage of spot usage. And out of the box, I asked him, like, uh, oh, but, but which business, how it serves the business? How, how, 
do you measure what's running versus like the revenue model or versus how you implement um, your business on that workload? And so that, that's an interesting question. We never thought about it that way. And I think the biggest challenge for mature FinOps is to move forward or to evolve from that uh, hardware metrics utilization into the business metrics utilization instead of a technical unit economics use a business unit economics like, uh, cost per client cost per request cost per i don't know if you're, let me switch gears a little bit and talk about ai do you see ai making an impact or what type of impact might it make within the finops culture oh it's an amazing question um i think at this point we can just go wild right it can be so many things um I'll give an example. I consulted one of the startups, Israeli startup, uh, four years ago, I think. And they asked me at that time, what would be my biggest challenge? And I told them how awesome it will be if I can input what I need and the output from that back box would be the most optimized way to implement what I need. And coming to think about it today, you can probably start seeing startups saying what would be the most optimized way to run a specific business workload and it will just generate that code for you it will just uh, provision that code uh, make sure that it's efficient create that uh, you know a supporting infrastructure to make sure to have uh, visibility monitoring on that workload i think that's where the direction will go so you can input in free text what you want to achieve and you'll be able just to achieve it in the most optimized way to implement from the vast knowledge of current FinOps practices. I, th I think it's, it's a, it, we're going to see a lot of startups in the near future implementing such a, a, a workloads. I think AI will definitely play a huge part, not only in our daily lives, but within FinOps and the utilization of it and how to improve certain things. But it's not going to be able to do it for you. And speaking of doing it for you, how are you utilizing automation within any of your processes or infrastructure? How much of a part does it play with you? Okay, so I'm going to be a bit careful. Um, there was a, a conception at Wix that we shouldn't uh, impact our production and to make sure that we keep our resilience, we make sure we keep our, uh, uh, our environment stable. So doing automations to change instance types, instance sizes, um, it, in most cases, while it, it won't require downtime, we don't do that uh, automatically. Uh, we do have a recommendation based on auto scaling groups, so we can manage the auto scaling group the way that the scaler works, but automation to change on the resource level, we don't actually have many automations. We have some that are specific use cases that we are sure enough to impact our production. So for example, our automation to delete uh, EBS volumes uh, available, uh, it actually integrates with the CloudTrail to understand when, was, when it was uh, detached. So above a week, it's unacceptable and it is being deleted automatically. But having said that, a lot of our automations do require other prompt or they're just generating a report of like a dry test or a test run to make sure what changes will impact 
our production and someone has to review it, like a code review. As we said, we integrated a lot of our engineering pipeline into FinOps and to make sure that it, it's being reviewed, being approved uh, by our architect or by our DevOps team and uh, implement that changes uh, manually and carefully. So th this is part of the automations. Um, mostly it won't run on production automatically. What advice would you give those looking to start their FinOps journey? Wow. Um, I would guess which advice would I have given to myself if I would have started it? And the biggest advice I would give myself is be a people person. I would suggest that a lot of people come from the technical side. Uh, I see a lot of uh, movement from financial persons practicing FinOps from the financial teams into engineering and DevOps taking the role or mantle of FinOps. And I think that you can be as technical as you can, but if you want to drive like a lot of, uh, if you want to drive that cultural change in the organization, change people's mindset, make sure that FinOps is one of the KPIs that is being measured in the organization, you have to be people person. So my, my, my recommendation to people starting this journey is not to afraid to be curious, uh, not to be afraid to question every response you get from engineering yeah of course they need it of course you do um, and to make sure to do everything with a smile because people are much more engaged to do what you ask them to do based on goodwill uh even if you don't have that executive uh, elusive executive buying uh you can build this practice from ground up just being nice and professional so my biggest tip would be to be a people person ask questions be curious uh, don't be afraid to ask for data to validate people's points. And that will, you know, drive the needle for me uh, much more than people knowing how to script and make sure that, you know, the CPU utilization is correct. I think this just goes back to your one point that you made about communication and speaking a common language. Communication is key all throughout the journey. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, I, I did a podcast saying that he, he summarized it, like you invest in the people and not in the tools. And that is precisely true at Wix. We really do invest in the, in the people, uh, make sure that everyone's aware of what we want to achieve as well uh, with other, you know, considerations in place when you talk about new architecture. But I think when people are engaged with you, with this practice, uh, this is how you change things, especially it works at Wix. And if you invest in tools, most of the time, again, when from multiple conversation I did with practitioners, most of the time implementing a tool doesn't necessarily mean you matured your practice. Uh, most of the time you might be able to use a tool that is amazing but no one will utilize it or to drive value or make impact on that organization. So it's not about tooling, it's about people. It's about how to drive that force from the people that actually in charge of impacting your cloud bill. So. <laughs> Devere, that's some sound advice. How about we switch gears a little bit and have some fun? I got some fun questions for you. What do you say? Ooh, yes. I love it. All right. So my first question, if you did not need to be here, and I'm not talking about this podcast, I mean, at work, because you want to be here on the podcast. But if you didn't need to be at work, where would you be? Uh, the Maldives. That's a simple question. Uh, okay. You're going to have to explain that to me. 
Um, it's a long dream of mine to, uh, you know, be in a cabin underwater, sipping cocktail and just worry about nothing. Uh, <laughs> I think that uh, in the last year, that was uh, what I aimed for the most to, to be on like a laid back beach, uh, just doing nothing, no responsibility, no phone calls. Um, I don't know. Sounds relaxing. I need it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I hope you make it there one day. My next question is, who is your superhero and why? Uh, that would have been my dad. Uh, for me, he was always a superhero. He passed away in December. And he, it's okay. He was a parliament member in Israel. He tried to make you know the world a better place. Uh, he did a lot of good things in his life, so. I always looked up to him like a huge giant. So uh, he was my superhero, definitely. Uh, as most, which it's nice to hear that uh, your dad is your superhero. Uh, <laughs> sorry to hear about that. Um, it's okay. So, Devere, let me ask you the last question is, who are some of the most influential practitioners in FinOps today? Uh, for me, it will be Eli Manso, who wrote uh, Mastering AWS Optimization. Uh, a good friend, good colleague. Uh, he was one of the lecturers in the FinOps Academy that we did here in Israel. Uh, he has vast knowledge. He used to work in AWS and we had the most interesting conversation about the future of FinOps. So for me, it's uh, Eli. Eli, I love you. Woo! <laughs> nice shout out. I like that. We're going to leave that in. Don't worry. We'll even tag you on this recording. Well, everybody, it's time to wrap up the Phases and FinOps podcast. Our guest today was Devere, Head of Financial Engineering at Wix. Devere, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Everybody, this has been another awesome Faces and FinOps podcast powered by our good friends at ProsperOps. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and notify because guess what? We're out of here.